Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to the 90th episode of the Midnight Film Review. What? Say what? So, this is episode 90, Colin, and it's a special episode because I feel like we are finally official. We're, we're coming out to the world. We're coming out. Broadcasting our love. So you better get this party started. Uh, yeah. We have a new crisp, clean mic for Colin. P- crisp. Crisp. <laughs> and clean. So yeah. hopefully everybody can hear us loud and clear and crisp. Until inevitably we uh, discover massive, massive problems with the recording. And, uh, I can't wait. When we go to listen to it, I'm totally inaudible. Yeah. yeah, and you can hear the ghost uh-huh. in the machine. I'd be, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, so we're ninety years old right now. We're ninety. What? We turned ninety. This is our ninetieth episode. That's we're ninety. Not how that works. That's not ninety weeks. We're ninety weeks. Hey, what's know. the gestation life of a of a of an elephant? Is it ninety weeks? <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I guess I do know enough trivia that. But no, I have no idea. Oh, okay. You can just throw that at me unironically. There's some animal out there that's like two that's pregnant for like two years before it gives birth. Um, yeah. It's close to ninety weeks. I mean, I you know, I was in the womb for about twelve months. <laughs> <laughs> before they just they finally just went in and cut me out. They just flushed you out. And like it's time. <laughs> it's it's warm, it's wet, you're never hungry. Yeah. yeah, I don't blame you. All right, um, <laughs> if we still have listeners, <laughs> awesome episode this week. So we have tons of stuff to talk about and open discussion. Uh, we have we're going to talk a little bit about the passing of Martin Landau and, and George A. Romero. May they rest in peace, or maybe George A. Romero will come back to life. Patient is he patient zero? He's patient zero. If anybody deserves to be yeah, patient we, zero, it's George right. Romero. Agreed. Uh, we're also going to talk about <laughs> Disney's <laughs> uh, casting of Aladdin. We have more news on that, of yeah. course. What happened? We mentioned it last week. We we prodded them out of complacency into action. You're like, guy, you got to get on this. We're expecting expecting big things, and he delivered. <laughs> he, he definitely delivered. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about something that's kind. Of, I found very interesting. It's something completely outside the box from what Hollywood's been doing, and uh, it's been tabbed binge. Uh, releasing movies so was it Fox I think it was Fox is planning on releasing three movies uh, all sequels to each other or and somehow related to each other uh, one month apart each right yeah it it is Fox we'll talk about it we'll We'll get get there there. yeah Uh, we have a email from faithful listener Will and I have a media hot take and then we are going to finish you off with a review of war for the planet of the apes Dun, 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 dun. All right, Colin. Um, let's start with George A. Romero so I can look up Martin Landau's uh, <laughs> uh I mean, stuff. Martin Landau has been in 179 films. Wow. None of which I have ever seen. <laughs> it, is, it is really astonishing. Like You think by accident I probably would have seen something on that list? Nope. Maybe I have. It just, it's like... I mean, some of the films I recognize, like Ed Wood has been on my to-watch list yeah, for same here. a thousand years. I've never gotten around to it. Right. No. But, you know, uh, we heard I heard a little bit about him 
um, in memory of his passing, and he was a basically forced to become a character actor and worked until he was, I want to say, uh, like 60 before he really broke out and mm-hmm. got noticed. Yeah, um, you're probably right. So an interesting Hollywood success story, but, uh, you know, it's I'm, I'm glad actors like Martin Landau can eventually get some recognition after uh, working in the industry and never quite never quite breaking through to mean I guess what we could would consider mainstream success for yeah. so long so I mean he pretty much is the definition of a character actor in a lot of ways yeah. I mean he's never had a really big starring role in anything um, not even on television all most of the shows that he was on he played a, a second second lead or supporting role um but yet he has an oscar he won best supporting actor for but playing bella lugosi and ed wood a movie that we've that you just mentioned but i haven't seen either and one of us have seen it um i i think that i recognize him most from entourage the tv show entourage um where he played a cranky old studio exec um but he definitely had talent and uh, maybe this will inspire some of us to go back and maybe revisit some of his his stuff he's dude he has been in so so much crap like and i don't mean crap is in bad stuff but he just i haven't seen it he's been in so much stuff um oh you know have you ever seen rounders the he was in rounders <laughs> i don't think i've ever sat down and watched rounders all the way through mm-hmm. how about that um he he was in uh City Hall, which uh, is not a, a terrific movie, but it's a decent movie. We don't, we don't have to we don't have to play this oh, game. We don't. Okay. He, All right. It's fine. okay that we haven't seen much that he's been in. Baps. He's in Baps. You remember Baps? No, I don't know what Baps is. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an onomatopoeia can, for sure. Can I read you? Bap, can I read? Can I? I we're off the rails, but please yeah, okay. just let me read you the, uh-huh. the synopsis. First of all, it stars Holly Berry and um, Natalie Reed. Two tacky homegirls move to L.A. to become dancers. Instead, they they scam a dying millionaire, but eventually become BAPs, Black American Princesses. Wow. S- that, of- <laughs> that is just a an amalgamation of offensive, uh, <laughs> offensive ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a movie you want to watch, huh? I, I'm, I mean, out of morbid curiosity, maybe. All right, let's move on to one of the... I would say uh, pioneers of the horror genre and definitely the pioneer, the founder of, of zombie movies, um, George A. Romero. So both these guys died on the same day. Both are legends in different ways. Um, I loved Night of the Living Dead growing up. I loved Dawn of the Dead. I enjoyed Day of the Dead. Um, and probably the last... Uh, dead movie that i really liked was land of the dead and that was specifically for dennis hopper's performance who has also passed away but george a romero um he did more than just dead movies have you uh, are, are you familiar with any of his other work um like uh uh was it called shiners uh i guess i should have his filmography p- pulled up huh i'm not i don't know what you're you're mentioning but uh I mean, so for me, Night of the Living Dead, we had a copy on VHS. 
And it always intrigued me because I didn't really know what it was. And it it was old, but it mm-hmm. didn't seem old. It seemed yeah. like really modern somehow. And eventually, I, I think I watched it when, you know, I stayed up late and watched it when I was a kid. And it was... I didn't really know how to how to feel about it. It it was just so different. Um, yeah, and I didn't I didn't have any understanding of when the film was from or the context of the film. And going back and watching it, it's just it's it's so fascinating. Um, I mean, it's so shot in 1968 with a black lead uh, because it had a black lead. Uh, distributors did not pick up the film. And he had to basically go to drive around the country um, looking for theaters to show it, and it became sort of a it became a cult cult phenomenon. Um, actually, I, I I remember hearing an interview uh, with him where he describes basically driving around trying to get this movie shown. And they learn of the assassination of um, Dr. King. Oh wow! Um, so, it, but 1968 was really yeah. I mean, it, you know, technically, in some ways, it was it's post civil rights movement because a lot of people mark the end of the civil rights movement with the Civil Rights Act and um, the Voting Rights Act. Uh, 1965 but it really it, it was n- not I mean racism was tr- you know yeah. sh- trying to fight back tooth and nail and just a, just an interesting an interesting filmmaker who took a chance and uh, then like 30 years later ended up this thing he created became just a weird part of the pop culture zeitgeist um, but I'm you know I don't I feel like in another world that isn't what he would have been remembered for. He would have been remembered as just an indie horror pioneer. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, the <laughs> Night Riders, uh, the original Dawn of the Dead, uh, which again also featured a black protagonist and a white protagonist um, much later. But yeah, I, and never got. Uh, Never got wide distribution. Um, Monkey Shines was the movie I was thinking about, which is a crazy movie. Um, it's about the, a quadriplegic who gets a pet, like a monkey, to help him like do stuff, and the monkey becomes like a murderer. Um, and that's kind of like his his um, his filmography is kind of littered with um, really weird and uh, uh, out there premises, like. Martin, which a movie I haven't seen, but people have told me that I should probably watch, is a movie about a guy who thinks he's a vampire, and so therefore he tries to fulfill these urges, even though, I mean, is he a vampire? Oh. And then, you know, I mentioned Monkey Shines, but also the way that he kind of took over the, the laugh half of the 2000s with these other his next trio land of the dead diary of the dead and survival of the dead he tried to subvert his own genre so in land of the dead these 
zombies are starting to become more human and they're starting to learn and then you know diary of the dead he said you know what i'm gonna take this uh this found footage idea and make a dead movie out of it um so he was always trying to to be different and even though he did a lot of the same things um uh the other movie is uh the crazies which have you seen the crazies I haven't seen, I have not seen The Crazies. It's actually a decent movie. Uh, it got remade in, uh, I think, late 2000s. But uh, the original still stands up to this day. And it's basically just like a gas gets released. Similar to the idea of zombies, but these people are just, they go insane and they start just murdering. Um, it's kind of... The, the happening before the, the happening um yeah anyways legend i think he'll be missed any other thoughts on martin landau or george a romero nope you really summed it up though night of the dead is um a cultural touchstone it's more than just a, a movie well, I, I mean really some of his early films are still i mean were really positively received by critics too uh mm-hmm. just he kind of faded and then became known for his legacy in recent years but uh he, he really was a great filmmaker um so yeah um so colin disney <laughs> you know <laughs> what what are they doing uh or no let me be more specific because i think they've done a pretty good job in casting the most movies. we talked about this last week but they finally cast Aladdin and Jasmine. The only problem is Jasmine is 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 not um, yeah, so, it's not Arabic. So they cast Naomi Scott as Jasmine. Who are you familiar with anything Naomi Scott has done? Mm, no, I don't. I mean, I, maybe I am, but I don't. I don't know. I, no, I'm really so I don't recognize. I mean, I don't recognize her name. I'm thinking maybe. I mean, do you think she is a like a Disney star or something like that? Uh, possibly. I I, I mean, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, uh, well, so the <laughs> Aladdin was cast. Um, Mina Masood, Masood, Masoud, uh, who is an Egyptian Canadian actor, um, and okay, I, I guess people received that well um so what we know naomi scott from is the pink ranger from power rangers ah the power rangers okay. reboot i thought uh, she looked familiar but i couldn't and she was on a sci-fi show called terra nova yeah so she is white and indian um and neither of those things are in the middle east or north africa <laughs> so yeah uh you know, it. to say that the internet was not um, pleased with this casting would be an understatement. Um, so you know, some people were like, "Really, um, you couldn't find anybody else." the The thing that I thought was was really weird is they had some other people in the running, but none of them were of uh, of Arab Arab descent. Um, I believe in the article that i sent you it listed at least two other actresses am i am i wrong about that uh i mean we 
Well, we knew there were a couple other candidates when we talked about it last week. Uh, so I, I don't remember the... <laughs> I mean, it seems like they nailed the Aladdin um, casting for the most part. As, I think as well as they, they, I guess, could. But, I mean... Uh, I'm trying to look here and see... Um, I thought this named another person. Maybe it was a link to another article that I... I, I think it might have, must have been one of the previous articles. So. Um, but one, one thing I, I think is... Um, oh, yeah, here. So Siddhartha Gupta was being considered. Um, there's Tess Yosef, who uh, is the casting director for this movie um and she declined to comment but she basically had said basically from what they has been said is they were struggling hardcore with trying to find someone of color to fill this role and i don't i just find it puzzling that i mean naomi scott isn't a name we don't know who Naomi Scott. like we had look it up we saw her in power rangers she didn't leave a mark on us i have no idea you know who the other person was i can't even remember their name so why is it so hard to find an air an arabian actress yeah um i don't know i just uh so there is another article where it seems like and again like dev patel i mean dev patel is is indian yeah uh i just uh it's like close enough so, it's close. It's close enough. They're yeah. they're not white. I mean, I guess it was it was pretty much being reported that they were they turned their attention to scouting um, for Indian actors, uh, and I don't really know why. Um, I just. Uh, I mean, I guess because Bollywood is so so big, and there's so there's a a, a huge amount of talent that comes out of India, but I mean, yeah. Uh, so it, there was, there was a statement. Guy Ritchie said, this, this is what he said. When I came in to make the movie, I wanted to make a diverse version of the movie. Okay. So that is a, a strange and problematic statement, but he also, he went on to say, Oh wait, no, who, the, who is this? This is Dan Lin, a producer. Okay. Oh, Luckily for me, Guy Ritchie has the same vision and Disney has the same vision. So we're not here to make Prince of Persia. We want oh. to make a movie that's authentic to the world. So, I mean, really, you take that statement and then you look at look at it in the context of what happened. And they just said, they checked a box that said, didn't hire white actors to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To play Middle East, North African characters. Uh, we're good to go. We're, nothing to see here. Move on. Mission accomplished. We did. We didn't uh, cast Jake Gyllenhaal. Is what we did. Is what we, we didn't. Yeah. We didn't cast somebody who. That's just so ridiculous. That is. I mean. So I. I you know. I like. It's. I don't know. It, it's really easy to criticize them, and I am pretty much on board with it. Um, yeah. I. I. It just intuitively it seems like. All of those countries and all those regions 
yes, they're, the film industries are not what they are here. Yes, trying to cast somebody who also can speak and sing well in English yeah. and you know is physically able to take on the role, that's hard. But I feel like there's there's somebody out there somebody I yeah mean, somebody exists yeah uh, so i guess singing would probably be a big issue i mean um rumi malik's name was never brought up you know for mr robot fame but i mean he is probably the most well-known um arabic actor in uh, he, you know he's from egypt um but he his name was never brought up and i'm guessing it's because he he can't sing which I, i'm guessing no. Well, but I mean, so the the casting director that you mentioned is is Indian, so right. Uh, you know, it like it seems like, and we so we had all those names in consideration, um, a lot of Indian names. It just uh, feels like if you didn't want to go in that direction, you don't hire an Indian casting right. director and throw around Dev Patel's name. Um, Which it seems like that's who they really really wanted. Tara Sitaria. Uh, who's another Indian actress? Naomi Scott was actually was in one of the earlier articles as a potential was she? choice. It just, uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to be satisfied with saying at least it's not a white person. I, I mean, I guess I, no, I, I, I don't. I don't really feel like anybody should be satisfied in saying it. No, but that is all you can say. <laughs> I think that's an important distinction. That is that is all they managed to accomplish is uh, they took like one step up <laughs> the ladder. Uh, <laughs> it's going in the right direction. Oh my god! It just it just it's just painful. Like uh, at least Will Smith is in this movie. Yeah, and that so that was the that's uh, <laughs> what the the Twitter <laughs> Twitter trolls said. It's like Will Smith isn't blue. <laughs> What does it matter who they cast? Uh, Said the the straight white men <laughs> with <laughs> internet access in first world countries. Yeah, right. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, anyway, mo- so on. that happened. <laughs> moving on to um, less important but equally as fun to talk about. <laughs> um, so this is this art. This stuff comes from. So this conversation comes from a opinion piece in the guardian entitled can binge releasing franchise movies a month apart work at the box office so this idea was brought about by fox um they adapted rl stein's goosebumps i think two years ago into a fairly decent movie um and they decided to capitalize on rl stein's other works a book series called fear street have you ever read fear street no me neither i've never heard of it it's weird. So Arl Stein has been writing since before we were old enough to read the stuff yeah. that he wrote, and he just it's he always has written like just churned out YA. I mean, it, I don't know, crap, pretty much. Yeah. Um, like I don't know, maybe early Arl Stein was legitimately good, but uh, yeah. So it, it's like every generation has their own yeah. Arl Stein. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I don't know when Fear Street's from. I've never heard of it. Me either. Um, so, but here's what they're doing. So, what they have decided to do is trying to. It sounds like they're trying to copy the um, Netflix model and put out 
three movies in succession of each other um, a month apart. And uh, they've branded it. The studio, the studio, my, this is straight from the studio, has branded it Movie Benge. Yep. So the idea is, think of it this way, Fear Street 1, 2, and 3 are all going to come out in the same summer a month apart. Um, Colin, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Is this an idea that's worth a shot? So in my mind... I see, I, I just have this vision of like, have you, have you ever been in that place where you're you're like, you're trying to make something happen and you're like panicking and you just, you're like, just lizard brain, you're just like pressing buttons or like just doing whatever, you know, re- like reflexively, like just trying to make it, make it fit, something like that. And just like try, try combinations, just, like yeah. force it in, you know. Just like we got it. That's what I feel like is happening right now. I because there, <laughs> it's just it's just an insane idea. Uh, it like it's like oh, that's an interesting gimmick. And then when I apply any logic or critical <laughs> thinking uh, to this situation, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so you're, I mean, basically you're investing in three things instead of investing in one thing uh yeah <laughs> at a time and i, uh, I it, just yeah it, it's it's like in a lot of ways it's like avatar the the proposed avatar movies but those are coming out in consecutive years um but that's not even the case either because we learned um earlier this year that they were going to probably be released uh three and Four or four and five would be released two years apart from two and three. Well, um, well, they. I mean, they're just because they were shooting them at the same time doesn't mean they were releasing them at the same time. But we've also had an Avatar film that made yeah, money. Yeah, that's true. Uh, these are just like if you don't. I just I can't I can't figure out what they were thinking. Like people are gonna the novelty of it is going to keep people invested. Like, but. At the same time, if these aren't all good movies, then it can't possibly work. Right? Yeah, that's that that that's a that's the big bet, I guess. Right? So you're saying, <coughs> excuse me, you're saying that if one of these, if let's say the first movie isn't good, yeah, you are essentially driving a stake through the heart of the other two. Yeah, and if the second one's not good, the third one's probably not going to perform well. I mean, you re- like every every franchise with a bad sequel earned the chance at that bad sequel by yeah. being successful with the first film. It just uh, doesn't doesn't make it doesn't, right. It sounds like it sounds like a stupid idea. I mean, Fantastic Four is an example of a, of a movie that they planned on having multiple movies they that was a franchise that was going to it was rebooting and it was starting over and they expected to have three movies come out of it and it was so bad and performed so poorly that they don't know if they'll ever use those characters again so what you're saying makes sense and even though binge is like a popular word in our zeitgeist um i I think if you're you're banking on that term meaning anything to a movie viewing audience 
it could do it could do the it could have the opposite effect yeah well and i mean it's here's the thing it's not like hollywood is churning out fantastic films that nobody is seeing and losing money right they're turning out bad to mediocre films with <laughs> occasionally a good yeah. film sprinkled right. in there and they're making money they're just not making as much money as they want to make well some studios aren't making money but they're also not making good products like yeah just you i just like make make good movies and you will profit they're consistently so- make good movies and that's all you that's literally it's a one-step process to fixing whatever problem you perceive right is make a quality product all the time see we went from being obsessed with sequels and prequels and experience expanding things to now we want we need we need franchises we need cross promotion we need to do what marvel did and i mean you see, we see it all over the board we see tons of the stuff the dark universe you know the transformers spinoffs it goes on and on and on you know they tried to do a um a king arthur uh, franchise that they wanted to do and it just all these things keep failing because you're right they don't make a good movie so you don't have that initial step iron man was <clears throat> was a great movie it was they came marvel came out of the, out of the shoots with a really good movie and they built on it it came from there yeah well they, i mean it was it was a make or break thing too yeah um so they they made sure it was a, a quality product i just like and the other thing is you do, you don't build goodwill with your consumer base by telling them that hey like we're going you know our plan is to make a bunch of these so you will go see them uh, like that's not it it just it doesn't translate from television to film that way no it's you know there's there's no instant gratification even a, a month apart uh if you release all three movies at once, that might be novel enough to do what they're trying to do. I mean, that's still a, a fucking stupid idea. Yeah. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. But that makes more sense than this. No. Um, uh, where, you know, I, you just, like, you have enough time for everybody to realize how bad the first product was <laughs> and totally lose interest. In. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, you're really, you're putting you're putting all your cards in uh, on the table at that point because like if you aren't making a quality movie then you you're, you're just might as well say you you've written two other movies for a loss so that first one's gonna have to come strong and be good um well unless and i the article doesn't talk about this but unless you're shooting like 10 to 15 million dollar movies uh which oh, none yeah. of the uh, none of the i mean then we would have been hearing about it under Fox Searchlight, but Fox yeah. Searchlight—they don't—they buy pictures. They don't sit down and produce them. No, right? as, as far, far as, as I, I know, know yeah, they I don't mean, go out and seek people to fund. Um, yeah, well, and that actually—and look, there's another way to make this viable: is make make cheap movies. Um, don't sink. Yeah. Don't sink forty to eighty million dollars in each one of these things. But. uh Whatever the whatever the absolute wrong approach is, 
I feel like we can count on Fox to take that. <laughs> yes, that, uh-huh. of, of all people, Fox. They they yeah. every, any ounce of goodwill you give them. That's why I'm worried about more Deadpool movies because every time for every good movie they make, they make three bad ones. So yeah. uh, let's just um, keep our fingers crossed. I guess. Yeah, I'm still trying to think of like a visual metaphor for like this scrambling that I feel like <laughs> like you're try, like you're trying to you have to pee. And you like just got home and you have to pee so bad and you're like can't get the door unlocked, you know? Yeah. And you're yeah. just like trying forcing the key and grabbing the handle just gotta get into I feel like that's what's happening. Just so, they're so desperate. They just they gotta make money. Um All right, let's move on to emails. We had one email this week and it was from Faithful Listener Will. Colin, will you tell our listeners how they can email us and also read this email? Why at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, questions, concerns, comments, cats. It does. You don't have to alliterate. Um, <laughs> we we miss you. We want to hear from you. Midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com. Um, so this week, Will s- said, "Midnighters." A teaser for the Disaster Artist was released today, and it was the funniest thing I've seen all year. Have you guys ever seen the Room? If you haven't, I would highly recommend it. In fact, you guys should probably review it. Also, one news item I'm begging you to discuss, uh, and he sent he sent an article about Muppet Studio fires Kermit the Frog's voice actor for quote unquote unacceptable business conduct. Now I would be happy to talk about that, except there's nothing to talk about. They literally did not disclose what they meant by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping like something really seedy and preferably sexual. Yeah. Uh, and they just literally, nobody knows why he was fired. So they fired Kermit the Frog is really what the article should say. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, wasn't, was it Elmo, the guy, the voice of Elmo that got busted for like child porn or something? I feel like that, that sounds like an urban legend. It might be. I've I feel like somebody before. got in trouble for one of the, I mean, I, I could be just making stuff I've, up. I've, um, I've never heard that. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about a. Uh, well, real quick, because yeah. I did find something on, okay. on him, and I. So well, the issue that was pointed out to him when he was let go in October, they said, regard according to the New York Times, he said this. It was about a union dispute. He claims while on his way to a shoot where he would voice Kermit, there was a contract disagreement between Screen Actors Guild and Disney. About how much he should be paid. Yeah. There you go. That's not. Not nearly as exciting as I wanted it to be. Yeah. It sounds like... Remember that uh, that Sesame Street on Drugs recordings <laughs> from the early day of yes. file sharing? Yes, yes. <laughs> those were... Man, those were a hit. Brought to you by the letter three. <laughs> Did you just call me Kramit? <laughs> uh, if that doesn't take you back, yeah. then you're too young. Um, so let's talk about Mr. Tommy, we- Tommy Wiseau. Wow. Writer, director, uh, (laughs) genius. Yeah, uh, voice of a generation. uh, (laughs) Compared to Ed Wood, sort of. Um, I I don't think that's a great comparison, but yeah, Tommy Wiseau uh, (laughs) and the Disaster Artist. Uh, Well, to answer your question, yes, I've seen the room. Um, I haven't. I I was first introduced to the room thanks to Tim and Eric. Uh, and I, if you don't know, he uh, guest guest directs 
an episode. I want to. It's pretty early on. I want to say in the first three seasons, uh, called Pigman, um, which is just if you can imagine if you've seen the room and you've seen Tim and Eric and you've never seen that episode, just try and imagine what the intersection of that is like. God. Uh, where <laughs> Tim and Eric are, are sort of the, the voice of sanity for uh, an episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, so The Room is, uh, is it's an experience. And uh, it's one of those things where, so I remember we did, we did some research when we first saw The Room, and this would have been maybe like nine years ago at this point. And there was just not much information on Tommy Wiseau. Uh, I think it was before The Disaster Artist had been written. I could be wrong. Um, but I th- I'm pretty sure it was before The Disaster Artist was written. And he was just like this enigma. Nobody knew how old he was. We still don't know how old he is. Nobody knew where he came from. Uh, and there were some lots of really interesting theories. Like he fled uh, and he fled Eastern Europe during one of the uh, civil wars, something wow. like that. Uh, and that would explain his accent and his his uh, like undisclosed age. Yeah, his um, accent is so weird. Yeah, and it lo- it also people think it looks like he's had plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, nobody nobody knew why he he had financed this movie. People thought it was a a money laundering scheme. Was one of the theories. Uh, that makes sense because the movie is so objectively bad in every measurable way. Um, it it is watching it is a is a surreal, almost out of body experience sometimes, <laughs> where you can't you can't decide if. And the, the other thing is, and we still don't know this, nobody knows if Tommy Wiseau is trolling or not. Like, nobody knows if he's for real or how he perceives what he created or how, how he perceives other people perceiving what he created. Like, he's just, he is a fantastic enigma. So See, I, um, I've seen, obviously seen clips. You've shown me clips. I've watched clips on my own of, of this. And it's, I don't know if I could set through this. Um, I think it would be an interesting exercise to try to do. But I, I did a little research on, like, how you should watch it. So the guy who wrote The uh, Disaster Artist said, the first time you see it, do not see it in a theater because it's very much like Rocky Picture Show where people are throwing things to screen, saying lines. He recommends to watch it with a friend or in the confines of your own home alone. Um, to fully grasp how horribly awful this movie really is. Yeah. And um, I, one thing I did find is that I found an interview with uh, him and the guy who plays Mike. Um, they, I don't know when it was, but it was within the last five years, they did a, um, a tour of the movie where they were just going around showing the movie. People were coming out in droves to watch them. And he tried to claim that he made this movie uh, to be unintentionally funny in these interviews that I watched. Although the guy that plays Mike, who is seems to be his friend, kind of differs on that. You could tell that he's kind of like, no, this seems it seemed pretty serious at the time. Like, I never got that. Um, he would talk about how um, they would get scripts, uh, rewrites the day of, or they would get, like, sheets. Not They wouldn't even get whole scenes. They would just get, like, like 
couple pieces of paper with dialogue on it. And um, there's obviously a rumor I read, too, where um, he actually didn't even direct it. Some other guy directed it. Um, and if you watch the trailer for the the the, the um, James Franco movie, Seth Rogen is the one that's directing it. He's playing the character who says that he actually directed it. So, um, yeah. Uh, which I am actually looking forward to this this movie. It I laughed. Will said it's the funniest thing he's seen all year, and I tend to agree with him. It was pretty funny. Yeah, and what's weird to me is, I mean, so they 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 put James Franco in makeup, and he really. Like, he doesn't quite look exactly like Tommy Wiseau, but he does look a good deal like Tommy Wiseau. It's close. But freaking Dave Franco looks so much like Greg Sestero. Sestero, yeah. It's, it is like, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> it, it makes me happy. But yeah, this, I mean, I've never read the book. Uh, I... I don't know when. So when we first heard about this film, like well over a year ago, I was like, "Man, I really wonder how Tommy Wiseau feels about this." But honestly, he's one of those people that seems like he would just, like his, the fact that he's being mocked is probably, he will overlook that because of the attention he's yeah, getting. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's fame. Yeah, but yeah, it looked it looked very funny. So, uh, we you know we've. <laughs> We've definitely been looking forward to this one uh, for a while. But yeah, if you've never seen The Room, not to be confused with Room, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, very similar films in many in many regards. Just kidding. Don't go see it in theaters, like, and don't try and watch it by yourself unless you are absolutely committed to watching it, because it really the experience with somebody there to like laugh with you and like look at each other and make eye contact and be like, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> you, you kind of need that. So, yeah. Well, thanks, Will. Thanks for the email. Um, again, you can email us at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. We will be right back with a media hot take. And we're back with a media hot take. Media hot take. Oh, that sounded... I'm just guessing. Media, but that, media, media hot take. Oh, that crisp new mic, I'm sure that sounds gorgeous. I can't wait to listen to that back. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be naked, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I... True to form, I have a media hot take. Colin does not. Um, we're just lucky that Colin's here. I'm working... You know, I'm kind of working on a media hot take. I thought, I've thought about one... Um, and I just I'm not sure I wanna not sure I'm ready yet. Hmm. So take gonna, your time. Your media hot takes know. are always nuggets of gold in this. Um, we're gonna we're gonna pinch back that nugget and drop it next time. <laughs> Keep working on it. Let it gestate like mm-hmm. a like a baby elephant. Yeah, for uh, for twelve. Wait, ninety weeks. Ninety weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. This, you know, this well, these last two weeks have been kind of crazy. Three weeks, I guess, moving. Um, we we finally kind of got settled in, and my nieces came over with my sister in law, and they wanted to watch a movie, and 
one of their favorite movies is Big Hero 6. And I had never seen it. It's a movie that I always had kind of wanted to watch. And it's definitely been on my radar for some time. Excuse me. But I never really sat down and watched it. And, oh, man. Boy, is this is this movie just full of heart and full of of joy it it is full of science full of science um for those who don't know this movie uh is about a boy hero and a inflatable robot named baymax who baymax is created by his brother and the sole purpose is baymax is a uh, a nurse for better, uh, for lack of a better term. So Baymax's job is to uh, make sure that you are taken care of. If you hurt yourself or if you are sick, you can activate him by saying "ouch" and he blows up. He comes over and helps you. Uh, but Hero uh, decides to turn him into a crime-fighting armored robot. Um, not to give away any plot points, but there is a villain in this movie who is um, kind of unknown. It's a secret who the villain is, and he's very powerful. He has a um, a very unique uh, science-created superpower. I- I'm really trying not to give anything away because um, a lot of this is like a, is revealed in the movie, and there's a lot of uh, twists and turns. But he ends up forming um, a group of heroes that he helps create. Um, they, they already have the, the tech and the science because they're all students at this science college, at this kind of MIT school. And he helps them f- use each of their creations and turn them into weapons and superpowers. Um, TJ Miller's in this movie, by the way. He's pretty funny in, in his role. Uh but what makes this movie so good is there's a a real sense of family and home and it's a very it's a very lighthearted but yet deep movie their hero and the other characters experience loss that is not really you don't really see it in this type of uh cartoon um it's not it's not handled um it's not handled with kid gloves even though this is a a cartoon it it is it handles grief in a very real way and uh i was shocked by that i was shocked by how uh how much this movie is really about grief and overcoming loss and um the power of hate and um, forgiveness. Uh, just, I mean, there are a few times where this movie, a, a man might be brought to tears a few times in this movie. Um, it's at, at the end, it's still a, a kid's movie, so there isn't, the plot isn't real in depth, and it doesn't, it doesn't give you um, a lot of, of huge uh, acting moments. There's not these. There's not a lot of 
the performances are fine, but there's no like standout as far as voice performances in this. And that's but that's fine. The relationship between Hero and Baymax is is something special. And um, I would say that if you have uh, I don't know what this is rated. I guess rated PG, but I, definitely anybody probably eight or over could watch this. If you're younger than eight, I think you might have a hard time uh, understanding the loss that happens in this in this movie. So, um, but other than that, I think it's a it's a it's an awesome tale about forgiveness and and grief. So, if you uh, get the chance, watch Big Hero Six. I think you'll enjoy it. It's by the way, this was written and directed by the same pair that written wrote and directed Moana. So, oh. good pedigree. Uh, I think that's going to do it for Media Hot Takes. All right. We'll be right back with a review of War for the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Yeah. And we're back, Colin, with a spoiler-free review of War for the Planet of the Apes. Starring Andy Serkis, Woody Harrelson, Steve Zahn, uh, Karen Canovola, Maya Miller, and some other people who... Oh, uh, Toby Toby Kebble plays... Um, in flashbacks, plays uh, <coughs> Koba. Um, yeah. yeah, so I want... I'm going to read the synopsis, but then I want you to give us your thoughts because this is kind of your first foray into these new ape films. So this takes place... Um, after the Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Which one was the last one? I think it was Rise, right? That was the first one. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, and so I don't want to give away too much, um, but I think this will suffice. Caesar and his apes are forced into a deadly conflict with with an army of humans led by a ruthless colonel. Um, as the yeah, we're just no, gonna leave it there. Uh, yeah, I think we're just gonna good. leave that there. Yeah. Uh, so, Colin. Yes. What did you think of War of the Planet of the Apes? I enjoyed it. You were surprised, weren't you? I, well, here's the thing: like movies don't get over an eighty meta score without being good. Yeah. It just it doesn't happen. Like it, not, not once have I seen a film. It really in the mid seventies, like you know, a film mm-hmm. has something to offer, uh, even if it's not your thing. So I, you know, I kind of figured no matter what, it would it would be, it would be solid, and it was. Uh, I, first of all, having never seen any of these films, talk we talk about you know, we, we've at least mentioned the idea of the limits of basically computer rendering and Mm -hmm. the uncanny valley and basically approaching photorealism but my god is the cg fucking unbelievable like there were there were a few scenes where like i'm paying more attention to the lighting and the like just look so maurice especially like the close-ups on maurice's like face and hair 
just looking at the hair on this a hundred percent computer computer yeah illustrated actor uh just unbelievable how good they look and there are a couple scenes that were kind of off but in general like wow i uh i didn't know i didn't know <laughs> didn't know how it, it was just technically impressive um yes. which should not really mean much to anybody but i just uh yeah i haven't seen these films so i wanted to throw it out there um i really enjoyed the first half of this film i don't even think i want to break it down by acts uh and then it you know it i don't know i i kind of thought maybe it would offer more adventure than it did um if that makes any sense and then it kind yeah. of turns into back into uh, what i expected in a lot of ways um but I don't know. I just it's I don't really have a lot to criticize about this film except it was it was predictable. Uh and I I I feel like ha- not having seen the first two films um kind of did not set me up for some of the decisions the characters have to make and whether or not it was true to who they were or what that meant in the context of the decisions they had made in previous films, yeah, which I, I really think would have changed how I felt about the whole experience. Um, the, the performances are good. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to... There are some things I, I feel like I should just leave for spoilers, but... Um, so all right this film is not an i don't think it's an action film um purely i I think it it's a little bit more nuanced uh it the the metaphor uh the extended metaphor for humanity is um pretty openly on display Mm -hmm. Uh, but it it's it has a it has a lot going on um there's a lot to think about there is some great direction i think especially really early on uh the film gets a little bit static later um but i really especially liked the the beginning of this film like the first half of this film um overall i enjoyed it uh i i just i i don't know it's it i feel like i am I cannot give the kind of review I want to, not having invested in in the franchise. So, but but considering I went in blind, considering how bad the trailers looked, um, <laughs> it's definitely a solid film. Uh, if, for and for the the time it's releasing, you know, it can compete with blockbusters and still be a more nuanced and more thoughtful yeah. film in almost uh, in almost every way. Um, the, the one performance, uh, the little girl who plays Nova, um, Amaya Miller, Amia, mm-hmm. Amia Miller, I thought she did a, a fantastic job. Um, and I just, like, I really wonder, <laughs> I kept wondering, like, what does this scene look like <laughs> on set? Yeah, right? Like, what, when they were shooting this, like, what did it look like? For everybody who's not Andy Serkis and can just 
like be <laughs> something that's not human exactly because he yeah. wants to <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I I agree with a lot of what you said. And um, I think a lot of what you expressed, uh, I can say from somebody who's watched the other films, um, there is an emotional um, connection to Caesar uh, because you're with him from the very beginning. So uh, this arc... um, that you see from um, the first movie till now and is uh, of him just being this uh, this leader who is held on a pedestal by the apes uh, makes sense Uh, he's had to make some very um, tough decisions in past movies and he's had to deal with some very um, difficult uh, situations and he's always tried he's always been noble um, and there, uh, we'll talk, I guess I could elaborate a little bit more in, um, in spoilers, but there's a very, it seems, uh, almost biblical arc to his journey. Um, very Moses-esque, um, so to speak. Um, always trying to lead the apes to the promised land away from, um, their quote-unquote captors. Uh, and that is, um... I think brought into a little bit more um, realization in this movie. Um, my biggest problem with the franchise um, has been a lack of. So the human characters lack depth, um, and they they lack any kind of nuance, and it's really frustrating. So the 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 Dawn of the Planet Apes, the previous one. Jason Clark's character, who is not in this movie, which we don't know why, um, somebody said that there was a scene in the script where it is explained why he's not in this movie. Um, but it's just it's a weird thing to not have any of the same humans. And I get it because they want to focus more on the apes or more on Caesar and Maurice and the, the rest and Rocket and the rest of the, of, the, of the group. But that doesn't mean you have to write. <laughs> you have to write human characters poorly to I, I think that Andy Serkis and what you've done with these uh, animals is powerful enough you don't have to worry about them overshadowing the humans um, and just like you know just like the last movie um, even though I agree with you I, the, I, what was the little girl's name Amaya Miller. Amaya, Miller I think she did an excellent job but then again she doesn't she doesn't have the biggest role in this movie and even Woody Woody Harrelson isn't there for a large part of this movie um and his character seems to have a really it seems to be it's an interesting character I would have liked to understand more about his psyche um and instead we're kind of left to guess about it um this movie really dies for me in the third act. Um, it, it's the same thing with, with the previous movie. Um, I, I, th- I think that they're both strong. Mo- they, these movies are so similar in the fact that they are building to something and then the execution at the end and um, the way that things happen just are predictable in a lot of ways. And um, at the same time, 
they uh, it's more of a uh, fortuitous um, ending than anything that's really earned uh, I'm kind of trying to be vague but uh, do you understand what I'm saying I mean I think what you're trying to say is you bastards you blew it up damn you <laughs> you damn dirty apes um like it's a visual spectacle for sure it's gorgeous to look at uh matt reeves i think is a good director i'm interested to see what he does with batman um after seeing this movie i think he's definitely um technically proficient but i don't know his writing seems it worries me um and the frustrating thing too about this is I don't know, maybe this is a spoiler. There's not much war in this movie. Uh, the last movie had more war than this movie. And I, I don't know. Maybe the last movie should have been War of the Planet of the Apes and this should have been Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That would have made much more sense. Or maybe it should have went Dawn, War, Rise. I don't really know. <laughs> but I tell you one thing. There was not a lot of war in this movie. The last movie had far more war. There's an actual real battle and dawn between apes and humans um other than what we saw in this movie i mean there's like twice as much screen time spent on battling so i don't know that's i guess maybe i'm being nitpicky i don't know no it, um, i mean it didn't it didn't feel like an action film to me uh in a lot of ways even with action yeah. scenes so and yeah but i don't it's it's hard to the re, most of what i want to talk about is it in spoilers you address some okay of it, so um yeah, I, I, I'll finish up with just saying, like, the last movie asked a lot of questions, and it was very, there was a lot of social commentary about war, false flags, terrorism, and they're, like, woven throughout, and uh, the problem with that is it didn't answer any of those questions that it brought up. Yeah. It just brought the questions up, and I feel like this movie does more of the same. It brings up questions about humanity, about treatment of, uh, of each other in situations of understanding in war and the way you view an enemy. It just brings those questions up. It doesn't answer those. Um, not that that necessarily means anything, or you have to do that, but I don't know. It's nice to address maybe a solution to a problem, uh, if especially in a movie like this. But yeah, uh, I give it. I give it a solid B plus. I think it was a good time. I had fun. It was a good end to the trilogy. Um, solid blockbuster. Yeah. So I mean, certainly compared to. Most of the crap that gets churned out yep. in Hollywood, this is uh, just a a cut above um, most of the most of the franchise films we end up having to sit through. So, ready for spoilers? Oh yeah! All right, if you don't want to hear spoilers for War for the Planet of the Apes, stop listening now. What, honey? Wow! Are you kidding really? me? Really? You just ruin it every oh, time. Oh. I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. Rude. And we're back. Technical difficulties aside, Colin, yeah. we are here with spoilers for War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, take us, take us somewhere. Man, okay, so that battle scene at the beginning was shot really interestingly. Yes. yes. Uh, I I was like, man, okay, I can. I'm really enjoying this. It looks so stupid in the movie or in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Like, how did they turn this into that? Um, Agreed. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, like, decisions with, uh, like, prop weapon weapon handling and 
the yeah. prop master armor person. Like, why did why did they give that guy a crossbow? What the <laughs> what was the What's... fucking point of that? And, and I kept thinking about it the entire time, and I was like, did they really do that just so they could shoot Caesar at the end and yeah. have it more plot? I mean, it's not really more plausible because. I mean, a, a serious crossbow would have. Yeah. I mean, you put a, put the quarrel through his body, right. and it would have just bled out in, in a minute. Um, but like, why is that really the the reason that this guy is like the crossbow guy the entire movie? Because I'm like, oh, okay, look, they're gonna have him stealthily kill the sentry, and nope, they're bl- <laughs> immediately blowing everything up. Like, <laughs> literally within the same second, they they yeah. Put grenades in the in the front of this fort, and then this is this is so stupid. And I'm sorry to be this guy, <laughs> like this is so irrelevant, really, in the grand scheme of things. But then you send in this commando raid, and instead of you know using like night vision thermal equipment, um, you put visible. Oh the, yeah. <laughs> laser sights uh, on the weapons I guess because it looks cool uh, and then they all just get murdered just totally murdered like <laughs> you're going to attack these creatures that are stronger than you um, and probably do everything better than you except maybe like see so you give them make, the make yeah. your weapons visible <laughs> and you like walk around with flashlights like yeah. Your one advantage. But, yeah, I guess if, if everybody had just had night vision, they would have killed all the apes and the movie would have been over. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm with you, too. I thought the same thing. I'm like, why do they have... Yeah. So I was... All right. So anyway, real criticisms of the film. Um, yeah, I mean, Caesar's choices just were so obvious and mm-hmm. so painful. Like, oh, you're going to abandon your people for the sake of revenge. Wonder yeah. how that's going to turn out. Right. Uh, all right, that's fine because we're going on a journey, and I was like, "Oh man, like we're gonna get kind of a road film here mm-hmm. with his crew, and they pick up this human, and they meet this other ape, and then they just it just ends." Mm-hmm. And I really was I was starting to get so excited at that point in the movie, uh, and then it just it becomes static. Yeah. Like they get to this outpost, and it just kind of n- not really much happens for the rest of the film. All the stuff uh, with the internment, it just was... It, it was just absolutely, I think... It's, I mean, it's pho- it, phoned in it's, is what it felt like. I'm trying to be nice here. It was... I, I feel like it was political posturing. I mean, there's this whole idea of a wall... And the wall doesn't make... Okay, if it's a commentary on Trump, that's fine, because that wall doesn't make any sense either. But this wall makes no... I'm sorry, the wall makes no damn sense. The enemy has helicopters, it has tanks, it has rocket launchers, and you're building a wall out of some loose stone and some wood. I thought... I mean, I could be wrong. I thought the the wall was for uh, uh, anti-air missile... The anti-air missile launchers. So they could prop them up. Yeah, so they could put them I high mean, enough to. You could, fire. you could be right. I don't. I mean, but that wasn't clear to me. Yeah. No, uh, I mean it, it's it. Yeah, it's not really justified, or it doesn't really make sense. And and yeah. he even has a line like he thinks his wall is going to protect it. Like it just 
there's a lot of that, and and I mentioned the, the the last film. There was a lot of that in the last film where it's like there's a false flag attack, and there's all these things that like could be interesting, but you're doing it in such a ham-fisted way, and it doesn't pay off. Yeah. It's like why bring why are you bringing this into this without doing something with it? Well, the so the entire idea of this disease that makes humans mute like that is it just it's like somebody was like what if the disease came full circle yeah. and it turned the people into apes yeah it's like ah oh, that is that's so lame um, it is but and then the execution of it like Woody Harrelson is convinced that because I can't tell if he's insane or yeah. if that's what they're going because clear I mean clearly the guy has some issues and there's this just lazily cobbled together religious fanaticism motif, um, yeah, which I'm I can totally get behind that. Like, just commit to it. Like he's yes. he's sort of seems like he is doesn't like he sort of seems like a it's cal- he's calculating, and then oh he's kind of crazy, um, and they don't really ever commit, but. so it's like i can't tell if he is just it they don't really justify the way he sees the people these people who are infected right like is he just mistaken or is it really religious fanaticism because he doesn't really seem like he's a religious fanatic kind of but but then he killed his own son right and i and i don't have an answer for that because the movie doesn't clearly define the parameters of this disease it's just spoken of oh well it it does it clearly defines the fact that it doesn't make you so he talks about how it reduces your intellect to Mm -hmm. that of an ape and no it just makes you mute the girl's fine the girl was learning sign language from yeah. This new species he's Okay, I mean, and, but that's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I guess the problem is introducing this new virus into this world. Yeah, is, it's, it's, no, it's, it's a contrivance, and yeah. it's not, it's just, they don't, they don't care enough to follow through. They don't care enough to follow through with his character and his character's motivations or this inner human fighting. Um, they just they don't bother to develop any of it yeah. really it just it all it's all sort of inevitable like this guy's yeah. an asshole and 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 I like so that's the other thing I was confused about like I felt like I was watching a different movie when he pulls Caesar out of the cage and then he's like really civil like yeah. he has this pretty civil discourse with him and then he tortures him and he's like oh you know nothing is they have no bargaining power. You're right. And then he feeds everybody. And I mean, I just I don't yeah, th- th- don't that, under, like what am I what was I supposed to take away from that? Like the, yeah, and then there's a scene where he's like, if he dies, oh well. If he's alive in the morning, make him work with the rest of them. the 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 problem with this third act, it all lies around the relationship between Caesar and. Uh, the colonel because there's no real tension there they they're tries they try to build tension in other ways by having a little girl come in and oh we if she gets caught we know she's gonna die is she gonna die is she gonna get caught and then they're building the tunnel and then the tunnel fills up with water so the but the real tension should have been between caesar and the colonel and you would have the smart thing to do would be to utilize caesar's leadership 
to motivate the apes to build this wall faster or to to even have them fight for him as an army of slaves well, it's yeah so they don't commit so like is this yeah is this a like a slave uprising movie is this a if, are we going the great escape yeah uh and they just they they don't do anything they take option three which is just like let everything happen inexplicably at the same time without investing anything in it like they just these they just happen to finish the escape tunnels and then he also just happens to like make one stand at and not get executed and then as they decide to leave it just happens that the enemy attacks the humans and there's it's just nothing is there's no everything just happens yeah yeah uh it's yeah. So I mean, uh, that's I kind of that's why I said before is like everything is just it's kind of fortuitous. Nothing is earned. Nobody yeah. does anything that uh, earns them a victory in yeah. this. And there, there are no, there are no, none of the humans are characters. No. Um, uh, even the little girl uh, is, you know, uh, she's not developed, and she gets more screen time than anyone else. And Woody Harrelson, you know, you're thinking like, okay, they're going to make this guy, they're going to make us hate him. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to force us to understand him. And exactly. They're like, they're like, hey guys, we're gonna make you hate him, and we're gonna act like we're gonna force you to understand him. <laughs> yeah. But we're not. We're just gonna yeah. move on and end the movie because yeah. we don't have time for, we don't have time to write this character. <laughs> I mean, for a movie that's it yeah, it's two hours and twenty minutes. Uh, it doesn't spend a lot of time developing any characters outside of Caesar and the and and really that's it. I mean, um, you know. A lot of characters are killed off um, in this movie. Um, my 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 only other real issue with this movie, and it's just I'm not I'm just being nitpicky because it's War of the Planet of the Apes, is I wanted I really thought that this was going to be like a war movie. It like the way that the last one ended um, with a like a temporary peace. It seemed um, then all of a sudden they bring in this new villain, the Colonel who um, wants to just wipe out all apes, which, whatever, okay, fine. But, I don't know, man. It just, to me, it, I have this really big issue with where they left the movie and how it's titled. Because, where I mean, just because they, they're they in this place where there's water and desert doesn't mean that they're safe from humans. Like, that was... Yeah, but don't you understand all of the humans died because... Avalanche. Yeah, but they were one hundred percent. Yeah, of the humans that's... were all involved in that assault. Right. Um, yeah, it just I... doesn't matter. And I, the, the like, I, I really don't like doing this, and I do it a lot. But I feel like I can see so many more interesting ways yeah. for this film to go. I don't think you have to have Caesar's people captured. I don't think I you have to make this a Moses story. Make this about his obsession, you know. Yes, exactly. And yes. he, you know, he he risks the lives of his friends who have volunteered to go with him, in mm-hmm. spite of the fact that they know he's making the wrong choice. Right. They know he's making the choice. He's risking his people and forsaking him them, and they need him. In order to go and chase revenge and follow that idea and end with him 
having a bittersweet taste in his mouth, like realizing that he made the wrong choice. Not because his people got captured by the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Because he's being reduced to the thing that he spent two films trying not to be. And it just just seems so obvious that that is a... a way that is true to the character and makes sense. And I agree so much, Colin. Developed this villain a little bit more that killed his family and create a relationship between these two characters. I, I just, I, I don't know. It, yeah, I agree so much. The, this whole, the whole Caesar arc is supposed to be about him becoming more human than humans yeah. and um, him having a better understanding of what it means to be uh, a human and yeah. to have compassion and forgiveness and mercy than the humans that that he comes up against in, in these different situations. That's what the whole, at least I thought, that's what these, this whole trilogy was about. But then you 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 nailed it. They completely undercut that thought at the end of this movie, and it it was frustrating because there is a real place to take this where it could could have meant more. Well, if I mean I understand undercutting it because that that's how you finish the character arc. Sure. Um, but then you can't just undercut it and then uh, just kind of <laughs> I, I mean end the movie I don't know it just yeah it, instead of he he doesn't have to he doesn't have to come to terms with the choice he right. made because he just ends mm-hmm. up being reunited with everybody Right, right, uh, before, right yeah. before he dies, he gets to see them make the promised land, and then dies on a tree. Yeah, yeah <sighs> I just. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I did enjoy this movie. I'll probably never revisit this trilogy again, just because I've seen it and whatever. If they make a fourth one, I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, they've, you know, they made hints towards the previous films by naming his child Cornelius. Yeah, that was cute. Um. I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if that means we're going to have a, a just a straight up Planet of the Apes movie. I don't. I don't know. Mark Wahlberg's available. <laughs> shoot, a, shoot a prequel, uh, a prequel to the reboot. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? It's been a pretty good episode. I, I think we nailed no, it. I mean, uh, yeah. I just. Uh, it, it's weird that I. I feel like it's not a good sign that I'm. Ha- wasn't familiar with this character and what where they had taken him and mm-hmm. I was still disappointed and yeah. how they handled him d- deciding what it seemed like to betraying what it seemed like were his defining attributes and then not really learning a lesson or not not really paying for it or not nobody not having anybody around him right. pay for it it just it just I don't know. Just just a missed opportunity. Uh, I feel like this. They, um, they tried to do. They just tried to do too much. I think, or they try. They had an ending in mind, and they didn't think about how the character got there or what it meant to the character to get. I don't know. I think that a lot of people have given this. Have, I the the reviews for these these last the War of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes have been so like crazy good, like um, these are good movies. These are quality quality made movies. They uh, are are technically good. I think Andy Serkis is phenomenal as Caesar. Um, Toby Kebbell was awesome as Koba. And uh, but to me, 
the problem I have is that these aren't great scripts, and I just it bothers me that the amount of praise, like you mentioned mentioned it off air, but like Spider Man's a better movie than this, yeah. and it's not treated that way. And people are like talking like Andy Serkis deserves an Oscar, and when is he gonna? And I just, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see it. I just, they're good. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed this movie. These movies, they were good for what they were, but they're, they're not, they're not <laughs> transcendent films. I mean, I, I just, is it in comparison to all the other crap that gets shoveled down our throats? Is that? <laughs> I guess, yeah. That is it. Like a, they're yeah. protest loving these films. I just, uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it was good, but compared to. I just feel like it wasn't it was a novel. Um, most most films that I see get Metascore ratings that high are I just they Yeah. They're something new or they're just incredible and I mean it was good. I just I don't get it either. I, I really uh, honestly I, I feel like the it's because uh, personally I feel like the first one was given such good reviews because it was like, "Oh, this movie isn't bad." This is actually a quality movie. And the second one was like, whoa, they totally improved on that previous movie. How did they do that? And so now it's like, well, this is a good trilogy. These are these are good movies. So just so you know, this trilogy is good. Yeah. And so we... Although, to be fair, when is the last time we had a legitimate trilogy that was solid? That's a good... Fair enough. They st- yeah. start to finish arc. Um, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And usually the third one is the hardest one to pull off, and uh, I, I'm in the minority thinking that this is probably the worst one, but what do I know? I mean, everybody else says I'm wrong. Well, out of all the ones I've seen, it's both the worst and the best. <laughs> there you go. Um, speaking of really bad movies, uh, Dunkirk? <laughs> I guess we're going to see Dunkirk, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, God, is it really going to be like the 20th next week already? Yeah, this summer is uh, moving, oh, moving along quickly. Yeah, what? So, is this going up against uh, Valerian? Valerian? Yeah, I know. It's a real bummer. I mean, it is and it isn't because. Oh man, yeah, we're gonna have a. Got a couple good weeks lined up here. I mean. Yeah. But Valerian is not getting great reception although it really is just totally our wheelhouse um what's the so, meta score do you know uh, 72 on Rotten tomatoes right now but that's not it's not certified yeah it it was not very high um it's it's 52 right now which is middling mm. um that's kind of disappointing compare that to what do you think dunkirk's meta meta score is right now 83 higher 87 higher 90 higher 92 higher 94 higher 96 higher 98 97 percent what wow on nine it's 97 out of 100 on 33 critical reviews not to um get your hopes (laughs) up or anything don't get your expectations too high holy crap some so like going to see this movie um Dunkirk was the second trailer and it finished and the people next to me were like that was intense <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes and again everybody is just dead silent uh, man if nothing else one of the greatest trailers of all time yeah for sure that trailer 
Um, it may, it's every time I watch it, I just my heart, I catch myself just like not breathing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just but like a trailer that it's not overly complicated, but it manages to tell I think the audience about the important parts of the right. film, but at the same time just showcase Christopher Nolan's direction and showcase the the I mean the the camera work mm. uh, like these big wide angle shots yeah. um, and and then in in the boats these super close claustrophobic shots and just, so good so good he's uh yeah he is master craftsman yeah you definitely uh, definitely uh yeah so we're a hundred percent sure <laughs> There's, Absolutely, yes. positively, we are seeing Dunkirk. I, I may try to to sneak and see Valerian too uh, this weekend, if possible. I'm not gonna make any promises, but if I do, I'll give a media hot take on that. But yeah. I can't, I can't promise that. I would honestly, I still would like to see Valerian, but I, I barely have time to see one movie a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Girls Trip right now is not any. It's not certified fresh. But it does have an eighty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, with, hold on, let me tell you how many, with about twenty reviews. Yeah, I mean that's, uh, it's got a ways to go. Um, let me let me see what the, see what the Medicare. For what is. it's worth, Armand White said, "Girls Trips Black Female Quartet confirms the all American commitment to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness." Uh. <laughs> okay. I'm sure that's what they were going for. Yeah, totally. Um, wait, yeah, so there's... T- what is happening? Stuff is happening. It's it just kind of... I don't know. It's it's not showing up. Here, let me try searching for it. Hmm. Girls Trip. Uh, yeah, it's got a 78. 78 Metascore. Who, who would have thought that that movie would have a better showing than Rough Night? I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. It, the cast, cast is pretty good. Yeah, you're right. Don't don't ever bet against Queen Latifah. That is true. She is the female version of of Ice Cube. Uh, and you know, love me some Tiffany Haddish. She's real yes, funny. Yes, Tiffany Haddish is funny. Every time she talks about booty holes in the trailer, <laughs> I laugh. I can't. <laughs> Every time it makes me laugh. Just a flawless delivery. So uh, uh, before we close up, this I do want to say something because I feel bad because I feel like Valerian's not going to make any money. Poor Luke Besson. Poor. Uh, See, I didn't actually read it, but there was an article about how basically it's a sure thing I saw floating around. Maybe we'll dig that up for... Really? Dig okay. that up after we see opening weekend for next episode. <laughs> okay. See how uh, right they were. But, I, you know, I think the uh, European market is going to be as big as European market okay, is hopefully. for anything. Yeah. Um, cause, yeah. And they're also relying on some crossover from fans of the graphic novel okay so well i know that dunkirk was actually its opening uh was not they were saying about 60 million uh which would be the lowest opening for a nolan film in since 
uh, I believe, since Prestige. Um, and the only reason is, I mean, it, it, this it's a war film. It's not going to be appealed. To, it's not going to have the broad appeal of something like Interstellar or Inception or the Dark Knight trilogy. But um, he surprised us before. But then I think Girls Trip is like the perfect movie to pair with Dunkirk because it's a comedy. It's, um, you know. It, yeah, there's no crossover. Yeah. Audience crossover. Yeah, there. exactly. So yeah. those two can open against each other and be expected. Valerian's kind of stuck in the middle, so I'm worried about it. But Yeah. Um, yeah, so it looks like Dunkirk next week. Uh, anything else? We wrap up the show? No. This has uh, been, a, been a fun fun venture yeah, hopefully you. somebody hears this because the com- your computer doesn't crash before you save it and uh, I'm audible what if what if the mic wasn't recording this whole time how would you feel I would be pissed if I was just sort of a weird echo in the background <laughs> I would be so mad uh, it, stop jinxing us okay. alright we will catch you on the flip side okay bye <laughs>